Hey guys, just a quick one before we start this episode. I wanted to talk to you about an amazing online educational platform called Brilliant. Brilliant is an online learning platform with some incredible and unique content targeted for STEM education and that's science, technology, engineering and mathematics. The combination of high quality courses, creative learning design and beginner friendliness makes it very appealing for all students. The user interface is very modern and they offer a 7 day free trial free trial for you to test it out. Now their catalogue currently features more than 60 courses on subjects as varied as neural networks, solar energy and cryptocurrency. All the lessons taught come with interactive exercises, quizzes and daily challenges, all to keep the students of Brilliant as engaged with the materials as possible. To learn more about Brilliant, simply click the link in the episode bio and revolutionise your way of learning. Woohoo! Hello everyone and welcome back to the History of Modern Day Medicine series. In this series, we are retracing our forefathers' footsteps to learn all about how we've established our modern day practices within medicine. And in today's episode, we're going to hop onto our time machine and rediscover something which has, and this is no overstatement, but has changed medicine forever. It has changed the way we manage conditions and has helped to save millions and millions of lives. It is something we use every day in practice and without it, we would honestly be hopeless. But at the same time, it is something we risk abusing and destroying. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we're going to be exploring all about where the antibiotic came from. So, what is an antibiotic and where does it come from? Now, antibiotics are of, often very misunderstood by non-medical people. And so in this talk, I hope to not only inform you about where, we've, where they've come from, but also educate you on where they can and can't be used. The word antibiotic derives from the Greek language, with the term antibiosis meaning against life or opposing life. And this was a term given to these substances by a French bacteriologist as a descriptive name of their mechanisms. So, thousands and thousands of years ago, our ancestors used to, used to use herbs, moulds, plant extracts, and even animal faeces to treat infections. The, the ancient Egyptians would apply mouldy bread to infected wounds, but despite this, up until the 20th century, infections that are now relatively straightforward to treat were previously the main cause of death within the developed world. But first, let's slow down. Before the discovery of modern day antibiotics, humans were almost defenseless against aggressive bacterial infections. So these included diseases like rheumatic fever, pneumonia, tuberculosis, gonorrhea, and even the slightest cut could land you in hospital. Once there, treatment was largely based on superstition, guesswork, half-truths, and little hope. Simple infections like strep throat and ear infections often proved to be debilitating or even fatal. Other infections like bacterial meningitis killed a majority of children that it contacted. And those that survived did so with disabilities that come with meningi meningitis infections like paralysis, learning difficulties and, and deafness. 
In the late 19th century, a German physician called Paul Ehrlich noted that certain chemical dyes, for example aniline, would colour some bacterial cells, but not all. And so based on this, he realised that we can create substances which will target certain bacteria without harming other cells. He called this the magic bullet. This idea then led him to begin a large-scale and systematic screening programme, as we would call it today, in 1904 to find a drug against syphilis. Syphilis is, was a disease that was an endemic and almost incurable at the time. This sexually transmitted disease, caused by the Sporochete treponema pallidum, was usually treated with inorganic mercury salts, but this treatment had significant side effects and it wasn't that effective. So, in his laboratory, together with chemists and bacteriologists, they came up with hundreds of organoarsenic derivatives of a highly toxic drug, Atoxo, and tested them in syphilis-infected rabbits. In 1909, they came across the sixth compound in the 600th series tested, thus numbered 606, which cured syphilis-infected rabbits and showed significant promise for the treatment of patients with this disease in limited trials on humans. Despite the tedious injection procedure and side effects, the drug, which was marketed under the name Salvarsan, was a great success. And together with the more soluble and less toxic Neo-Salvarsan, enjoyed the status of the most frequently prescribed drug until its replacement by penicillin in the 1940s. Now, Ehrlich initially called this treatment chemotherapy, or in other words, the use of a chemical to treat disease. So at that time, it wasn't even called an antibiotic, although looking back, it is what is thought to be the first derived modern antibiotic. The next big step in the development of antibiotics comes from a man whose name you may recognise. That's right, Alexander Fleming. So on September the 3rd, 1928, he inadvertently discovered penicillin. How? Well, he had just returned from a holiday in Suffolk and noted that a particular fungus called Penicillium notatum had contaminated a culture plate of Staphylococcus bacteria that he had accidentally left uncovered. The fungus created bacteria-free zones wherever it had grown on the plate. Then Fleming isolated and grew the mould in pure culture and found that this fungus was extremely effective at preventing growth and spread of Staphylococcus bacteria, even at low concentrations. But despite this discovery, it took ages for penicillin to be approved as an antibiotic. For 12 years after his initial observation, Alexander Fleming was trying to get chemists interested in resolving persistent problems with purification and stability of the active substance and supplied the penicillium strain to anyone requesting it. He finally actually abandoned the idea in 1940, but fortunately, in the same year an Oxford team, led by Howard Florey and Ernest Chain, published a paper describing the purification of penicillin quantities sufficient for clinical, clinical testing. Their protocol eventually led to penicillin mass production and distribution in 1945. Now interestingly, following a fire in Boston, Massachusetts in the USA in which nearly 500 people died, many survivors received skin grafts which are liable to infection by Staphylococcus bacteria. 
Treatment with penicillin at the time was hugely successful and the US government began supporting the mass production of the drug. By D-Day in 1944, penicillin was being widely used to treat troops for infections both in the field and in hospitals throughout Europe. And by the end of World War II, penicillin was nicknamed the wonder drug and it saved many lives. Scientists in Oxford were instrumental in developing the mass production process and Howard Florey and Ernest Chain shared the 1945 Nobel Prize in Medicine with Alexander Fleming for their role in creating the first mass-produced antibiotic. And even with Fleming's discovery, the word antibiotic was still not mainstream. The dermatologist François-Henri Halepur had used the word to describe substances that stopped the development of life in 1871, though it was vague and it lacked any medical context. He also, it, also, it was also spelled antibiotique, with a Q-U-E at the end because he was French. Antibiotic, as I said before, literally means against life. Having discovered streptomycin and many other antibiotics and having received the news of Fleming's discovery, it was an American biochemist and microbiologist called Salman Waxman who coined the term antibiotic as we know it today. Waxman chose the term antibiotic to describe substances or compounds that were made from living organisms but also combated other living organisms. And he clarified that antibiotic means against life but more helpfully it means against bacterial microbes and not anything else. The story of penicillin's discovery is widely taught as a happy accident that has since saved thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. As the first commercially successful antibiotic, it also then started an arms race as companies discovered, produced and marketed other antibacterial medications. Starting with penicillin, companies like Pfizer and Merck scaled up the production of the antibiotic and overcame challenges associated with reliably isolating and harvesting the beneficial antimicrobial substance. With antibiotics becoming a common and important weapon in the war against bacteria, they were prescribed for decades with little restrictions placed on them. And the period between 1940 and 1962 is often referred to as the golden era of antibiotics because all of these new antibiotics were being discovered and placed onto the market to treat any ailment. Now, while many people benefited from this golden era of antibiotics, the overuse of them can create antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And then when that happens, the bacterial infections can't be stopped by the normal antibiotic treatments, and sometimes they can become more aggressive and dangerous as a result. Essentially, as evolution, the bacteria evolve to overcome the antibiotic and become harder to beat as a result. Naturally, antibiotic-resistant bacteria have become a matter of concern in recent years. The commonly prescribed antibiotics we have today are sadly becoming less effective because of a number of reasons. Firstly, their overuse, failing to complete the fully prescribed course by a doctor, and use of antibiotics in farming. This leads to reduced effectiveness of antibiotics and the incidence of resistance is increasing and bacteria are commonly becoming known as superbugs. In terms of the overuse, people often when they feel unwell they go to their doctor, their GP and they expect to receive antibiotics. But most often their conditions are caused by viruses, so they have viral infections. Antibiotics do not affect viral illnesses, they do not target viruses, they do only are effective against bacteria. And, but because of overuse of antibiotics to treat viral infections, this is 
contributed to the buildup of antibiotic resistance and the buildup of these superbug bacteria. So how can we reduce antibiotic resistance? Well, firstly, only taking them when they are absolutely necessary, treating specific bacteria with specific antibiotics, having high hospital hygiene levels, things like regular hand washing by staff and visitors, and those who are infected with a antibiotic resistant strain of bacteria should be isolated from other patients to prevent spread. Development of new antibiotics has significantly slowed down over the last few years, now sadly, the discovery of new antibiotics has significantly stalled in the last 10 to 20 years and the issue with that is that sooner or later there will be bacteria who, which are resistant to every known antibiotic. Every antibiotic that we could possibly throw at them, they can fight it off and be resistant to it. So that's the main worry and so we must stop that from happening by preventing the overuse of antibiotics and preventing the increasing resistance. So that concludes this talk on the history of antibiotics. We at MedTalks hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you found it very interesting. We certainly enjoy delivering these talks. It's very interesting to read about and learning all about the history of modern day medicine is just fascinating because it tells us where we've got, where we've come from and it helps us to appreciate what we have now. But also we must not take things for granted. Things like antibiotics, which have saved millions of lives for, for decades now around the world. We must not take, take them for granted and we must not abuse and overuse them. Thank you so much everyone for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please stay tuned for many more episodes to come. Follow us on our social media platforms for lots more updates. Subscribe to our channel. Give us some reviews. Send us your feedback. You can ask us questions or just give us some comments by messaging us on Instagram. Our Instagram is hellomedtalk. Our Instagram is medtalks.uk or send us an email. It's hellomedtalks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to tell us some more topic ideas, the other things in medicine that you'd like to learn about. Thanks again, guys, and have a great day. Goodbye.